When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Everyone and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today, four very special guests. I, our Star Trek fans in the house got to be going ape shit right yeah. now, right? Oh yeah, it packed house and it is a hell of a crowd that we're packed with. Definitely a packed house. Couldn't be happier to have it packed full. They're all joining us today to talk about the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, PanCan for short which they've all been a part of for some time, I do believe. Yeah. I can't, I'm not for sure exactly how long, but uh, coming up, they have the Purple Stride uh, March Against Pancreatic Cancer. That's coming Saturday, April 29th, and it's happening in 60 cities across the country, people. So it's happening somewhere near you. Oh, yeah. Is, is the point I'm getting <laughs> at. All you have to do is look where, and you can go help support this amazing cause. And if for some reason you're not uh, anywhere close to one, you can always donate and just help. There's plenty of links on the website to donate and help out. So Oh, yeah, and we're yeah. going to have links in this episode as well. But uh, the main links to go to would be pancan.org, purplestride.org. They were saying in the uh, when we were talking to them, .com, but everywhere I look, it's .org. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Search one or the other, but .org always got me there. Uh, .org is what I found. I mean, .com just kind of rolls off the tongue yeah, so yeah, automatically, yeah. you know, so. Search PanCan, I'm sure it'll come yeah, up. Yeah, it's, yeah, and again, follow the links in the episode <laughs> notes, stupid. What have we been telling you? No, I'm kidding. But uh, the amazing guests we have today. First, our first actor and writer, uh, you've probably seen in Seinfeld, uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, upon many, many, many other things, but is probably best known for his role as Quark in Deep Space Nine, we welcome actor and writer Armin Shimmerman to the show. And also joining us is his lovely wife, who you may have seen in Judging Amy, uh, JAG, NYPD Blue, It's the Gary Shandling Show, uh, many, many others. But you probably know her best as one of her two characters, Luaren and Minister Rosan from Deep Space Nine. We welcome actor and producer Kitty Swink to the show. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> there certainly is, isn't there, Randy? Also joining us, you may have seen him in the movie Out of Time, alongside with Denzel Washington. You may have seen him in Bones, Cold Case, or one of the many other roles he's been in, but you probably know him best as Dr. Flox from Star Trek Enterprise. We welcome actor John Billingsley. 
And last but certainly not least, you may know this guest from shows like Gargoyles or Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction, which I think I heard might be coming back in some Really? Capacity. Okay. I don't know. I, I have to do more research. Don't quote me on that. I, I think it might be coming back. I was thinking you were going to say Gargoyles for, <clears> for a second. Oh, that would be cool, too, that would wouldn't That be very cool. <laughs> and he also does a lot of directing uh, for Star Trek. He directed First Contact, Insurrection, episodes of Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Discovery, and Picard upon many other things, even outside the Star Trek pantheon. But he's best known as playing Commander William Riker in Star Trek The Next Generation. And now on Picard, we welcome actor and director Jonathan Frakes to the show. Randy, can you believe we have all this amazing talent here with us today? We can't, and I'm just impressed we didn't mess it up. <laughs> what, what did you do to trick these people into getting on this call with us? Uh, you know, they're, they're... Oh, wait, you know what? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. That's between you and them. But... But as you can tell, a great episode does lie ahead. But before we get to it, we have to remind you that you can find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you want to show some support to the show, head over to CannedAirPodcast.com where there's a button for our Patreon page where for 5 to $10 a month gets you a plethora. Two, what, three? No, it's three, four. I, that number always changes whenever I say this, but I, when I was looking, I think it's more accurately three to four years worth of content for you to devour and if extra content isn't uh, your cup of tea say you want to wear our t-shirt or sport our hat or hoodie or drink your coffee out of canned air podcast there's a merch tab there where you can do all those things and it has amazing artwork on there uh from joshua bellis as well who's been on the show many times as you guys know randy what am i forgetting big shout out to evergreenpodcast.com the network we're a part of and so proud to be there uh check out all the other great shows and if you can't support us on patreon however you're listening to us if you just leave us a like uh just a little shout out give us a rating it helps so much it does it really really does believe us all right, is there anything else we need to touch on? Let's give the people what they want to hear. Let's give it to them. Let's cut over to the Pan Can Trek team. Sorry, getting things situated. How is everybody? Good. Thank you. Good, good. Doing great. It is, it is very warm here in Ohio, <laughs> and we're enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> it's cooler here today, and we're enjoying that, too. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> Where in Ohio are you? Uh, right in Columbus, right in the center of it. The teeming heart of Columbus? Yes, sir. That's the one. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> my name is uh, Jeremy. And I'm Randy. Hello, Jeremy. Hi, guys. Randy. Randy, why do you have to take such a subservient position? I don't understand it. It's, big <laughs> it's, like, they're, it's like they're flying the shuttle. <laughs> I know who the captain is. I'm just the one over here watching the radar. <laughs> okay, all right. Fabulous. I like to get the power dynamics kind of right on the table, right out. Of... What do you make of the uh, Shimmerman swing dynamic? Uh, Jonathan, I always thought of you as a deity, but on this Zoom call, you sound like God. You've got a, you've got. A... <laughs> oh, I'm in a, I'm in a big uh, empty room that has just been painted, and uh, it's the only place in the house that's quiet-ish. Okay. Okay. So should I? Tell me if this is better if I take this out. I, and just talk like that. No, now you're still God. Which God would you like to be? <laughs> I like it. I like it, Jonathan. I like it. It's got a, it's a, a certain Dorn-esque quality. It does. Yeah. It does. All right. Well, we're just going to uh, jump straight into it then, unless anyone had any questions. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Let's get this going. Fucking A. <laughs> And now joining us are Armin Shimmerman, Kitty Swink, Jonathan Frakes, and John Billingsley. 
thank you all so much for being here. I can't tell you what a thrill it is to have you all here, especially on the same call. What a thrill. Thank you. Hey there. How is everybody doing this afternoon? I feel okay. like I'm, on, I'm living on canned air. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to change the name of the show yeah. now. <laughs> it's the smell of fresh paint, Jonathan. Yeah. How's that sound? Better? It sounds good. You sound yeah. good, man. I like the echo. I like the reverb. It works. I got to bounce it off these interior walls. See what happens. <laughs> well, again, uh, it's... ooh, yeah. If you're gonna sing, man, don't let me stop you. Go ahead. I was gonna go Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I, I'm, I feel, I don't feel comfortable now. <laughs> Maybe by the end of this. It's a beautiful tree you've got behind you. It's a beautiful tree you've got behind you. Thank you, guys. You're so sweet. You'll come over here soon. Neighbors. Yeah, I gotta bring bread and salt. The wine. Yeah, That's we'll be a... we'll be right over. <laughs> No one laughed. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> but again, it is an honor to have you all here. And uh, we obviously have questions for you, uh, some of which you won't believe are Star Trek questions. But before we get to any of them, uh, we've got to touch on a few of the organizations you all have your hands in. First being the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, PANCAN for short, uh, whose mission is to grow awareness and fight against pancreatic cancer. And coming up on Saturday, April 29th, you guys are doing the uh, PANCAN Purple Stride Walk Against Pancreatic Cancer happening in 60 cities across the country, which is pretty damn incredible. And you guys are part of Team Trek Against Pancreatic Cancer with uh, team captain being Kitty, who is, yourself is a 19-year survivor. That's incredible. Thank you. And uh, people can get online and uh, sponsor your team. I was wondering if you all could just educate us uh, and the listeners a little bit more about PANCAN, the Purple Stride, and, uh, you know, just your involvement with the organization. Sorry, you're oh, the I'm captain. starting. Okay, I'm the team captain. Uh, you are the captain. <laughs> <laughs> I, came, I came to PANCAN because my friend Charlotte Ray, about five years after I was diagnosed, was diagnosed. And oh, wow. I was her uh, guide. Guide. I was her rabbi. I was her Irish rabbi through pancreatic cancer. She had been a part of the organization for a long time because she lost so family, so many family members. And here I am. And a few years ago, PanCan came to me and said, we'd like you to get more involved. And I asked Armin, and then we asked Jonathan together. And then this year we asked John because we all have in common. Um, loss. Well, we didn't. No, we lost. yeah, we lost Char. We lost Char. So I'm so sorry. God bless her. She made it to 94. It was amazing. So wow. that was great. And here we are. Uh, what? What is that? Pay no attention to that. Okay, pay no attention to that guy behind the curtain. All right. So that's why I came, and why I love PanCan is they not only fund research and help people get there faster to get diagnosed sooner, but they also help the families. And I know from my experience that I just put one foot in front of the other every day, but he did all the hard work. So I want families and friends to get that too. Next. It, it's a remarkable organization that helps people when they get that horrible diagnosis. It, it, it helps them find doctors. It helps them uh, decide on which, which routines to go to through. And, and it's in 60 cities and there are thousands of people marching on the 29th for Purple Stride. That money goes not only to the help for the, for the patients and their families, but also to the research that goes into finding a cure for this horrible disease that we've all been touched by. My brother, my sweet brother Daniel, died about 25 years ago after having turned yellow and we took him into the hospital. Oh, my God. They cut him open with the... The Whipple cut, which is what they opened you up with to do the surgery, and they said he's too far gone. 
they closed him up and they said he's got six months to live and that was it there was no advice there was no alternative there was nothing Pancan is providing not only alternatives, but a place to call it for the, not only the, the patient, but for the family. And when Daniel died, and when John's mom died, it was, I think, a 4% survival rate. We are now struggling still, but we are three times at it, 12%. And in the last two wow. years, it's gone up a percentage each, each year. So the money that we're hoping to raise will do a number of things. It'll help with research. But most significantly, I think we need to find an early, I know we need to find an early detection. And part of that is the responsibility of the patient. If you have someone in your family who has been suffered with this disease, you tell the doctor that, somebody who, aunt, uncle, grandma, sister, brother. Or if you have, as Kitty said, if you've come at diabetes after 50, or if you had a pain in your back, all these could be indicators. And hopefully, if we raise enough money, we'll find a clever enough research doctor who will find a, what's the word I'm looking for, in the blood test, a... Oh, a sign. Indication. Yeah, a Indication. Yes, yes. So as part, of our, as part of our, our blood test, we'll be able to identify it earlier, treat it earlier, and then provide the help. And I must, before I turn it over to Mr. Billingsley, our hope is sitting over here to my the stage left, Kitty is quintessentially one of the great humans, but as a survivor, provides for people daily, I think. She advises and helps and listens and gives, and we are blessed to have her for these extra 19 years. So I figure maybe another 30 years with Kitty and we'll be done with her. Oh, great. <laughs> I'll, I'll be doddering, but I'll be happy to hang out. <laughs> Uh, everybody did such a great job of covering our talking points that I don't think I've left with I'm left with a single thing to say. My uh, my mother, my own story. My mother uh, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer about 33 years ago, and similarly, the Jonathan, um, the the lapse between the diagnosis and her death was very short, three months for us, and um, there was no um, suggestion of possible cure. There was no suggestion of a second opinion. It was just walk away. From the little I've gotten to know, and I am I am late to this group, um, I'm honored to have been asked to join, um, and I've learned a lot just in the last couple of months. Um, from, from what I have learned, one of the wonderful things about the work that PanCan has done is that they have done a tremendous job already raising awareness about recognizing symptoms that might lead you to go to the doctor quicker, recognizing that you had more options than might be presented to you initially by the first doctor you speak to, raising awareness that there are places to go, PanCan notably being the place to go for more help and advice about what you might do. Um, it's a magnificent organization as far as I can tell. We're trying to raise $90,000, our team. And I think since this is going to go out to the Star Trek community, I'd really like to say, hey, Star Trek! <laughs> that wonderful future that we all envision that starts with all of us coming together to address problems collectively. This is one opportunity to, to do so and, and maybe in so doing um, support these wonderful people who have, have helped enrich all of our lives. I'm talking about, uh, of course, Armin Kitty and Jonathan. I don't think I've enriched anybody's life at all. Perhaps my wife. Oh, don't be so hard on me. Oh, God, again with the fucking false humility. I don't know about this, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I have to. My picture is reversed. Oh, we see it straight, though. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Can uh, can people who support get a hold of that shirt as well? 
for $1,000 to the Trek Against Cancer, Jonathan Frakes website. Oh, oh it comes that's... it comes with Jonathan's chest attached, which is thousand dollars well spent. I think I think Janie might have something to say about that. I could be wrong, but I, I could think... be wrong. I think these t-shirts are part of the uh, stride world, are they not? If you come to this join us on the stride, you're not gonna t-shirt. Yeah, it's a fifty dollar donation. Um at least the one here in Columbus is. Uh mine should be in the mail. <laughs> Thank you for making a donation. And yes, you do get a, you do. And we will have, uh, uh, and then there's other stuff that you get. Like if you raise a thousand dollars, you get a sweatshirt. I have two hoodies that I like very much. Yeah. Go to the website. If, if people are interested, go to the website and, and see uh, what the perks are for each of the donations. But it doesn't matter how much you donate or whether you get any goodies. The, the thing is to support us, whether it's with $5 or $10 or $20, or even no money at all, if you'll come out and walk on the 29th for Purple Stride, show your support. Um, if you haven't been touched Or spread by the it, word on social media. That's what I, yeah, I like that addition that you brought to this, uh, John. I think that's really wise. Yeah, the megaphone matters so much, you know? I mean, it's right. so odd and it's a wonderful life kind of way who we touch by simply speaking. Um, and I think it's important that for those folks who might not have the means to make a contribution, it doesn't mean that they can't touch 10 people who might in turn touch 10 people who might in turn touch 10 people. Who knows? We'll make the 19 million just from those 30 folks, right? And if you donate 19 million, you get a pan-can convertible. Pan-can? Ooh. <laughs> I'd drive that. Yeah, right. <laughs> to piggyback onto what John said, the important thing is anyone watching this, if they hear of someone that's that has that diagnosis, right. please call PanCan right away. You'll do yourself, if it's not you, your family, if it's not your family, your friends, if it's not your friend, it's a friend of a friend, you'll do them an enormous favor. And they'll teach you how to advocate for yourself, which is really important with this disease. Just go to www.pancan.org and look up the number for patient and family services. It's extraordinary. Hey, Kitty also made the point in an earlier conversation we were having today that there obviously are a variety of different kinds of cancers, but PanCan has also been really responsible uh, to lead the way in terms of research that addresses cancer writ large. So right. uh, I think it's important to take note of some of the real important research they have done that has had broader application across the entire sphere of combating cancer. You know, it's kind of uh, scary to hear Jonathan say earlier that, that uh, this isn't something that can be detected in the blood. There are tumor markers for pancreatic cancer, but that's not the, it, it isn't really a screen. It doesn't work like that because it can show up for other reasons. There are, there is also a tumor marker for breast cancer, which I had in my thirties. But in both cases, the primary way that they diagnose you is not through, the screen is not, the blood tumor marker is not enough. So I found my breast cancer with a mammogram. I found my um, pancreatic cancer because I was turning yellow and I had acid reflux and I had lower back pain. But you also had a high white blood cell count. I had a very high white blood cell count and the doctor went, you know, let's just take a look at this. And three days later, they called and said, your kidney and your livers are shutting down. You have your kidneys and your liver, I only have one liver, are shutting down and uh, have to go to the hospital right away. My God, I can't And 17 imagine. days later, 
I came out and here I am. So. Wow. And you guys are, again, all fighting this amazing cause. We're going to put all the links on social media and blast it out to everyone as loud as we can to help uh, as many people get over uh, to the Purple Stride as possible. And I also wanted to touch on another organization uh, that, uh, John, I know you've been a part of uh, for a long time, but you all have had your hands in, the Hollywood Food Coalition, uh, whose mission is to feed and serve the immediate needs of the hungry uh, every day of the year so they can build better lives. And there's also an event that you've done, I know at least twice, called Trek Talk, which is kind of like a day-long uh, telethon where people who support can jump in and uh, see conversation with uh, people from Star Trek. I was wondering if you guys could tell us a little bit more uh, about that. Sure. The Food Coalition, I don't want to spend too much time on that because I don't want to take the focus away from PanCan. Um, but briefly, it's been around for about 37 years. It started as a street service for people experiencing uh, homelessness and hunger. It has grown and evolved, and I'm very proud, particularly the last six or so years, um, of what we've grown it into, which is an organization that also rescues more than two million pounds of food a year. And essentially wow. shares it with about 130 other not-for-profits to buttress and augment their meal programs. And additionally, we sit at a variety of neighborhood tables with other not-for-profits to try and address the kind of systemic problems that require group solutions. Not enough transportation to rescue food, not enough cold storage, mulching and cleaning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Hollywood Food Coalition matters very much. Track Talks, in a way, is a response as somebody who believes in coalitions to what I hope that we can continue to achieve as a Star Trek community, which is to find ways to come together as a large body of people who all share in Roddenberry's vision to work together on a variety of different causes. It's one of the reasons that I was happy to be invited to join the PanCan team. Sure. I want to continue to have a broader vision of what the track community can do than any one single charity or event. In a way, I'm kind of interested in using Star Trek celebrity to encourage people to identify their voluntaristic bliss. Everybody's got a place to fit into their community to make a difference. And it's why we'll continue doing track talks to kind of continue to urge the entire Star Trek community and franchise to kind of pay attention to, hmm, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? It sure. matters to me. And your last track talk was extremely successful, uh, raising over $107,000. That's amazing. And and a shout out to, uh, obviously, these lovely people who have been part of, of course. the years. But also, uh, I particularly would be remiss if I didn't, a shout out to uh, Rod Roddenberry, whose generous $50,000 contribution allowed oh, wow. us to, you know, get uh, more than one leg in the saddle, pretty much the entire torso in the saddle. But it's been a, a group effort. I've got a wonderful team of 10 folks to make it possible. And the first year we did it, we basically said, hey, let's ask the community and see who's interested. And we had 100% response from the various celebrities uh, that we uh, you know, suggested this to. So the desire to give back is so strong yeah. in all of this. I mean, th that's my jumping off point. Everybody does want to make a difference in their community. Some people just kind of need to be kind of like, you know, they need to brainstorm it a little bit, you know? Sure. Yeah, Jonathan, I, I can't quite hear you. How or where? Yeah, yeah. And, but also to be encouraged to think about something that might be of interest to them. I mean, yeah. you, you said in one of our conversations that when this came up for you, that it was like a light bulb dawned in yeah. terms of this is something I can really give myself to. 
And I, I kind of really believe that's true for a lot of people. It's like the, 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 you know, the passion has to meet the action. And, and sometimes the passion and the, and the possibility of action don't meet if you don't, you know, spitball. One of the beauties of being part of the franchise is a blessing that one is part of the franchise, but also it gives you the opportunity to be spokesman for things as John and Jonathan have just explained. And, and that's a blessing as well. So besides the, the celebrity of being on the show, we have the opportunity to be spokeswomen and men. I have to say, personally, I've known John Billingsley for, uh, we met at Scott's Christmas party a bazillion years ago, and I always liked him and I thought he was wonderful, but he is a force of nature and he is a force for good. Yes. Aside from being one of the five funniest people in the world, he's really extraordinary. And I thank you for being a friend. Do we want to discuss the other four people? The other four funniest people in the world? Yeah. Dom DeLuise, well, he's gone now. Ethan Phillips. Ethan Phillips. Ethan Phillips, yes. Ethan Phillips. So dirty and wrong. Just pretty fabulous. <laughs> Two adjectives that I, I I hope to have attached to my name someday. <laughs> we used to have the we used to go to the same gym and he would tell so many jokes that his trainer couldn't get him to do anything. I think that was, <laughs> that was his plan. Have any of you ever worked with Scotty Wolf? Party of five. Oh, yeah. Scotty Wolf uh, is the only person I've ever known who could give Ethan a run for his money when it comes to. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good. He was on V. You know the Joke Tellers Convention joke? Joke Tellers Convention oh. joke is somebody who's, uh, you know, never been to a Joke Tellers Convention is invited to come to a Joke Tellers Convention by a professional joke teller when he comes to the convention and he's sitting there and the guy stands up and says 69. Everybody, ah, ha, ha, ha. another guy stands up 33. Ah, ha, ha. And the fellow, the guest, says, well, what the fuck's going on? And the joke teller says, everybody knows all the jokes. We don't have to tell them anymore. We just have to say the number. Next guy, 13. Ah, gales of laughter, gales of laughter. And the, the guest says, could I, could I try? And the guy stands up and says, 19. Crickets. Fucking <laughs> A couple of boos. Boo. Guy sits back down. Guy invited him and says, man, you told it wrong. <laughs> oh man oh, that's good i want to meet these people <laughs> the only non-filthy joke i know actually that's beautiful <laughs> timing man sure <laughs> i uh <clears throat> i do want to thank you all for just bringing so much aware to uh pancreatic cancer though um i lost my grandfather two years ago and i hadn't heard of pancan uh even during um wasn't until uh, about a year after that I, I found the organization it just the wealth of information that is there for people going through that it's just amazing and just thank you all for bringing that to everybody's attention well first we're sorry for your loss that's a horrible thing to go through thank you. but two, you should be one of our spokespeople you eloquently put into words our mission is there an Ohio walk or are there multiple? There's a couple of them. There's yep. one happening in uh, Columbus and there's one in Cincinnati. And Cleveland too, I believe. Is there really? Mm -hmm. Okay, I missed that one. Good evening, Bert. God, speak again. Nothing. Nothing. My microphone's not working. <laughs> it's in coming and in and out at times. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> but you're God, you'll work it out. <laughs> <laughs>
turn it over to the Holy Ghost if you want. And you could... <laughs> I just want to watch you guys talk. I don't even want to ask you questions anymore. But <laughs> all right. Yeah, again, I just wanted to touch on both of those. Uh, I didn't mean to overshadow Pancan at all. Thank you for asking about that, by the way. I really appreciate that. That's... Hey, not a problem. You guys just have your hands in a lot of uh, good organizations. I wanted to make sure they all got some light. Uh, to our listeners, pancan.org, you can find out more, make a donation. Purplestride.org, you can find out where uh, there's going to be a march you know, near you or in your city. April how to 29th. Get involved. Exactly. And then HOFOCO, that's H-O-F-O-C-O.org, the Hollywood Food Coalition. And is there going to be a, another Trek talk in the future? It seems like Fuck there yeah. will be. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've already got, I've got three guests nailed down. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say we'd be guests, but I think we'd probably be a letdown to your viewers. No, 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 no. Actually, one of the panels that we've done, uh, you know, is called Trek Division. And we're talking on Friday about ways that we might be able to kind of between now and next January, kind of get this this what we've been talking about today, this kind of concept of of Coalition. what can you do, what can you do, what can you do a little more out into the Star Trek community. Are there any ways we can kind of keep that, you know, um, evangelizing going between now and then? Just keep us in the loop. We will definitely do our part, use our uh, our tools at our disposal to help that happen. Thank you. And on the 29th of April, if you're in Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area. John Billingsley, Armin Shimmerman, Kitty Swink would love to have you walk with us. Come walk with us. Oh, I wish we were on the West Coast. How cool. In your car. <laughs> In your boots. It's been raining a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to march. They're going to march with Columbus. They're going to lead. You'll be wearing some purple shirts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, uh, who's ready to answer some uh, Star Trek questions? Oh, man. Where'd everybody go? I'm afraid no. I was gonna afraid I was gonna lose him here. <laughs> Why are there no Denobulans on Picard? Let's just get it out on the table right away. <laughs> to what do you to what do you attribute the continuing interest in Star Trek? Is it Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future? Who are you addressing that to? He's yeah. addressing you, I believe. Okay, Me? thank God. <laughs> oh, not you, John. I was say, no. I don't know. Geez. Oh, he was addressing me. Yes. Yeah. I think he's suggesting that is a frequently asked question and one that all how of much us... how much umak is too much umak? There isn't too much umaks. <laughs> guess where I was uh, wanting to start would be uh, what your I guess opinions were of Star Trek before you were on Star Trek. Were you fans of it growing up? I knew nothing about it. Uh, that's an exaggeration. I knew very little about it. My lovely wife Jeannie Francis had a poster of Captain Kirk on her bedroom wall. So she informed me that this was, in fact, an audition I should prepare properly for. <laughs> and, and I, and I, so I went to Blockbuster and I got some uh, VCRs and I watched uh, about a half a dozen episodes to get an idea of the gestalt. Sure. And then it all, I had, I literally, I mean, there were people on our show. Dorm was a fan. I think uh, Will Wheaton was a fan. Patrick was in the dark. I was in the dark. Brent was in the dark. I mean, it was, it was life altering for me to know that this was such a such a big deal. And now it's 36 years that I've been privileged to be part of it. So okay. if my kid asked me what Star Trek is. Yeah, when I auditioned, I it was like, am I aware of you? And, and of course I wasn't, but that doesn't change the fact that uh <laughs> Ooh, what? No. And I was always a fan. I used to rush home as a teenager to see the original show when it first aired. Um, I moved heaven and earth to uh, to get onto DNG. 
Uh, I turned down another job. My agent and I got into a huge fight about it, and I, but I, t- I, but I won the fight and was able to appear on TNG. And then when they were looking for a Ferengi for Deep Space Nine, I campaigned up the yin yang in order to get it. Um, and in the first six months, like your shows and like yourself, most of my fellow uh, series regulars would come to me and says, "What's a Klingon? What, what, what's a Klingon?" Um, so. Um, I, I had a different experience. I, I was eager to be part of the franchise, and am now very proud to have been part. And my, I grew, I, I grew up watching it too. And my oldest brother was going to be a scientist of some kind. That was always clear, but he became an aerospace engineer, oh, specifically wow. because of Star Trek. And the first time he came to Los Angeles, when Armin became a series regular, and we took him to walk the um, set, he was so. Happy. He was so. Oh, happy. I can't imagine. Did you guys? Did, did you see those images from the uh, Webb Telescope on 60 Minutes this weekend? Amazing. No. Extraordinary. And how passionate were those astrophysicists about what they were doing? And that was so exciting. They had discovered over 2,600 uh, outer planets beyond our solar system, uh, thanks to the Kepler telescope and the, and the other telescopes. It's amazing. And a lot of them uh, are in just the sweet spot, probably of water. Not saying that there's sentient life there, but probably some life there. Um, wow. John and Armin and I were all at um, Yuri's night last week, and listening to these two women astronauts was... The, the rest of the night was great, but listening to these two women astronauts was so thrilling, I can't begin to tell you. I was, my mind was blown by them. They were amazing. I remember when uh, May May Jemison was on our show, and it was it was, we we had May Jemison was on the show, and Stephen Hawking was on the show. Were the two most exciting things that happened? Well, besides me being on the show, I was going to say I was actually going to bring Jonathan. I was, I set him up. Was like I was put it on the tee for him. <laughs> but we're kind. Thank you. He's an old friend. He's an old friend. Did you did you not come in to uh, see me in my dressing room to ask what I thought of your idea of continuing as Exactly. Yes. The, the reason I ended up on Deep Space, not the reason, of course it's not the reason, <laughs> but one of the reasons uh, I ended up on Deep Space Nine is that after a half an hour of cajoling by my friend Jonathan Frakes in his trailer and about 30 seconds of cajoling by Patrick Stewart, um, I said <laughs> yes to, to Rick Berman. I said, okay, I'll put that makeup on for seven years. Absolutely. <laughs> he was offered two series the same day and he picked Star Trek. It's a lovely story, but it is true. It wasn't the same day. It's a good story that it's the same day. What was the other maybe, one? Maybe yeah, a day the same day. I think it would be inappropriate to say the other one. Yes, yeah. it would be inappropriate. All right. Oh, oh God, God, that's all I'm going to do now. <laughs> I know. I was just about to ask, but what was it? <laughs> I do. I do remember when you got Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yes, and that was. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to take the time, but that. There was a conflict between TNG and Beauty and the Beast. Of course. And my agent said, you've got to stay with Beauty and the Beast. You can't do this episode of, of TNG. And we fought. We fought back bitterly, back and forth. And eventually I won, and I think I made the right choice. Uh, I would yeah. say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Incredible. My um, answer before was facetious, by the way. Of course, I was aware of Star Trek and was wildly excited about being able to join the franchise. Um, uh, and in large part, it was because, of course, of the next generation. Um, I mean, right. but for the next generation, 
none of us would be here. No, no, but, but for the original series, none of us would be. Well, but for the original series, but then y'all had to replant the flag. I mean, I'm sorry, but without you, forget it. John is absolutely right. Absolutely right. It was planted, the flag was planted once and then replanted successfully by next next generation. He's right. Uh, Jonathan, you know, just take the compliment. Yes. No, no, I, I, I do, <laughs> with great pride. But that, that would never happen now. Because it took us two or three years to get up to speed and to be accepted and to have viewers. And it was the first television show made, it was the first scripted hour drama made directly for syndication, mm -hmm. which meant that it could be made for a price where the actors would pay 40% SAG minimum for their residuals, the writers would pay the same 40% SAG minimum for uh, WGA for their SAG minimums, and the show was sold with half of the commercials attached. So that a show that cost a million six had half of that money in the bank already from beer commercials or whatever, and sold separately to 237 separate outlets like WGN and uh, all over the country because our friend Roddenberry hated NBC so so passionately that he refused to go on network TV. Wow. Bam. Thank you for that. I didn't know that. I knew some of that for Deep Space Nine. We were the second obvious experiment uh, in syndication, but I didn't know the mm -hmm. rest of that. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. And our be part because we were not syndicated and we were on UPN, which was itself a dying network. And so our market penetration was uh, tissue thin. Well, we were on UPN as well. We all were. Were we not in LA? That was our channel. I, I don't think Deep Space Nine was. I think uh, I think we were lost in the shuffle somewhere. Um, but Voyager, uh, Voyager was. I think Voyager was the first show to go. Yeah. Voyager was was the cornerstone for uh, UPN. Yeah. UPN had its its uh, audience, whatever audience it might have had, it was all but gone by the time. We arrived. There was oh. a rumor, which I just delighted, even though I don't think it's true, but I delighted in it anyway, that at some point after the second season for our show, um, is it tacky of me to say her name? Don Ostroff. Ah, what the fuck? What do I care? Don Ostroff. <laughs> Don Ostroff suggested that perhaps we should pick up a boy band and bring them on as we were going to fight the Zindi so that there might be a little bit of, uh, you know, appeal to the other audience that uh, UPS <laughs> was trying to reach, which um, I just, I only wish we... Had done it because then Dominic could have been in the boy band. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, John, it worked for the two previous shows. I mean, about year three, both Deep Space Nine and Voyager picked up a a new series regular character that helped with uh, the audience viewership. We got Michael Doran, and Voyager got Seven of Nine. And we would have got a new direction, but I'm not entirely sure that would have been. Is that what would that have been your pick if you had to pick any uh, boy that, band? No, I would have probably been a lesser boy band. That would have been actually probably a boy band on the on the rise, perhaps. But <laughs> 98 degrees. <laughs> you said that pretty fast. Well, I can't explain that. They're like a ship. Nobody on the ship except a boy band. <laughs> few more questions I want to throw your guys' way. Uh, this one, first to Jonathan, then to Armin. You've both uh, had the opportunity of reprising the roles of your characters. Uh, Jonathan, first with you on Picard, which, damn, I can't tell you how satisfying it's been, not only to see yourself back in that role, but um, all of you back in familiar space together. There's, there aren't words to tell you like what that, what that feeling is inside. But I've, I've heard you say in another interview 
that you hadn't been acting in the years leading up to Picard and that uh, you were a little nervous going into it, thinking maybe you might be a little rusty. And um, I was just curious, how long did it take for you to shake those nerves? And what was, was it like reuniting with the cast and your character? I was feeling that uh, attack of anxiety before I was asked to be on season one of the card. I'm really losing you. I can't hear you, Jonathan. Uh, you're just a burning bush now. <laughs> <laughs> Can I answer for Jonathan? I think I know what he would probably say, that he feels like the rust only got worse and that now it's like he goes to the set and it's just one, oh, we can hear you now, Jonathan. I'm sorry, it's miraculous what that did. I was nervous because I had just spent a lot of time directing Patrick, who was at the beginning of Picard at the top of his game. And Marina had just closed starring at a play in the West End in London. So I knew that she was full of piss and vinegar. And I hadn't acted in about a decade. So, I'm lost sorry, you again. lost you again. <laughs> Something weird then. It's that new house and has no Wi-Fi. He's just shouting. He's using his theater uh, projection. <laughs> Ask someone else a question. Could you mime your reaction to your uh, return? I'd love to see after 10 years whether you, there you go. Knew you could. <laughs> I'm skills never leave you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump over to Armin really quick while Jonathan figures that out. Uh, returning as Quark on Lower Decks. You know, Lower Decks has been a great uh, show. It has that Star Trek feel and the charm to it. Uh, but it's a little bit tonally different than what we typically know from Star Trek. You know, it's a little bit more comedy driven. And of course, there's the obvious fact that it's animated. And I'm uh, curious what... Those, with those differences in play, what was it like for you to revisit Quark, you know, not being in front of a camera, not having the three hours of makeup on? Were, were there any challenges or was it, uh, was it just natural for you? Uh, it was indeed natural, if we can put it that way. Um, the characters never really left me. Uh, the makeup has, but the, the character sits in the back of my head. But, but you touched upon the, really the most important challenge. It was a different tone. And it is an animated show. It's it's not a show shot in front of a camera, and so there's a difference. And and luckily for me, I have a, I've had a nice career uh, doing animation, and so I use my skills from the animated shows that I've done and the games that I've done, and incorporated them into the Quark character. But it, it was lovely. I, I didn't uh, I didn't have to memorize the script. I didn't have to worry about blocking. I didn't have to worry about makeup. Um, unfortunately. Um, I didn't have the other actors around me, so I was in a booth with a director, and uh, he was giving me suggestions on my headset, um, and that's less than satisfying for someone who who loved the actors that he worked with. Yeah. What a diplomat. What a diplomat. Can you hear me now? Yes, yes. we can. Yes. Yes. Bullshit. <laughs> you know what? Perhaps that last part is a little BSC. Thank <laughs> you. I've known you a long time. I can call bullshit on you. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, I love you too much, not to. Yes, thank you for thanking you for bringing me back to the truth. Uh, an actor who sort of liked the people that he worked with. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now that we got you uh, your voice back there uh, jonathan though if you could you uh, go ahead and uh, answer that you were saying that you uh, you had been directing patrick 
and had oh, acted yeah, I, much. Exactly. So it, it was fine. Once I looked into Patrick's eyes and Marina's eyes, I did it all came back. But I wanted to talk about the, the lower decks experience. I quite enjoyed working with it. Was Mike Mann, Mike McMahon with you? Yes, he yes. was on and the headset. Yeah. Yeah, he's a very clever guy. And I like, I never did many sitcoms, but when I did, I used to love when people would yell, try this, try this, try this. And that's McMahon's approach. And, you know, so he gets 30, 40 different things, or 20 or 30 different things, sort of like David Livingston. And he has, then he has all the pieces that he needs. And he, and, and he goes off on tangents and he lets Tommy Newsom do the same thing. And he lets Jack Quaid. He's got very clever people around him. But and he, he was very open to changes in lines, which of course, yeah. so that was taboo. You couldn't change. That's un, unheard of on our show. Yeah. So uh, he was very good about allowing me to try other lines, different versions of lines that I had wanted to do in place of his lines. And in fact, incorporated them in the final product. I need to get caught up on these shows. I mean, I've been watching them, but I'm so far behind. You know how life gets. Have you seen Enterprise yet? That was the one that was done a few years back. Macula. We're all on Paramount, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those shows that people were shot in Los Angeles, uh, and the ones that are, are that are uh, entertaining us now, almost all of them aren't they? They're all done in Canada, except Picard. Except Picard, which has been done for a year and a half. The rest. I asked um, Aaron Byers, who's the president of Secret High, I said, any chance any shows are going to be shot in LA? He said, don't even wish, don't even think, don't even hope. The difference of the uh, tax incentive is daunting to those who are trying to like introduce Yeah, right? But this is California. <laughs> even our, our Republican Governor Schwarzenegger couldn't get it done. <laughs> well, Kitty and I, as you know, worked in the union, and what we heard, the union heard, was that the, the legislators in, in Sacramento said, we're not giving any tax breaks to billion-dollar actors. That was the quote. Unfortunately, oh, wow. it's the working-class actor that is losing out because the billion-dollar actors get shipped to wherever they're going to go. And it wasn't just the actors. It was all the crew members. They were. Well, that, those are the ones who don't get to travel, but that's what happened is that the hairdressers and the cabbers and the, the grips... Yeah, that was a disaster. And all Still the is. stores that don't get bought from, and all the yeah dry cleaners, yeah, at all bar bills. The bar bills. <laughs> no, that's the you have no idea. Hey, and those inflated Toronto martini prices. It's oh, terrible. With no, with no booze, martinis with no booze in them. Terrible. I know a little tiny glass. It's like going to London. A London pour. It's like it's already exactly. measured. It's this. Good, you have to drink for four days to get a bucket. It's like getting a fucking sandwich in London. There's no Don't get us started. Don't, Don't get us started. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. However, those of you who are listening in England, please donate to Pancan. <laughs> <laughs> we lost that audience, John, yeah. about 30 seconds. All is forgiven. All, all is forgiven. In, in fact, mo many people here in America would happily have you take us back. Oh. Yeah, maybe not. Not so. Okay. No. <laughs> I, I tell you what, put you four on stage with microphones right. and I could just sit and watch. <laughs> this, is, this is entertaining as all hell. And I've got so many more questions, but not enough time to ask them all in. So I'm just going to jump to the last question that you all could uh, answer. Is that, um, you know, people who've worked on Star Trek are notorious for being close and 
keeping in touch over the years, most notably probably being the next generation, but not uh, limited to. I've heard uh, people from Discovery talk about how tight knit their cast is. And, you know, look at you all here, you know, working together for these amazing causes. I'm curious in your guys' estimate. I have a restraining order out on the bulk of my cast. I'll just say right here and now. Like, right. <laughs> well, I'll shows up within a hundred goddamn yards of my property. I'm sick of the fucking dogs on it. <laughs> that lovingly. Well, then I'll ask the other three. <laughs> in your opinions, what is it that keeps Star Trek alum so close? Conventions. The conventions. Oh. That's a great answer. Yeah. Conventions. And the shared blessing that we all are still fortunate enough to be able to make a living after 36 years on something that started as one of those, it was pilot season. You know, what's going to happen right. this year for you during pilot season? And it changed our lives. Yeah. We're really our family. I mean, we're family with, with all the incumbent bad things and good things. But if I may explicate, it's because we travel a lot to various conventions and, and, uh, and people from the various shows are there, people from our own shows are there. And, and we get, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, at bars uh, uh, drinking and, and, and bonding. So I, I think it's really conventions. Although I, Junie, uh, I don't think this was part of her agenda. Junie was our casting director for most of the shows. And um, she just picked really nice people. She really did. Yeah. I may have had problems with some of the people, but, <laughs> but, but, but for the most part, they're nice people. And, and good people and people who wanted to do the very best. I, I can also, I also would say, and, and this was in part, I, I know that we, it's a different crew now, but I was on the uh, uh, Enterprise, which ended the run of that, of the, the crew that started with Next Gen and was there for four iterations of Star Trek. When you were brought in to a familial environment, Everybody knew each other so well, had worked together for so long. It's it's unusual in television. It was as if you were being introduced into a family. So there was something about the the feel of the place from day one that just kind of told you you were it, it was something special. And and you you kind of you kind of got the idea that it was important to preserve that in the way you behaved. Um, sure. And I, I also would say, because I always like to, you know, no no kidding around. On our show, Scott Bakula was such a mensch, and he, yeah. he, so, he so owned what it is to be number one on the call sheet and created a, a working environment that I think allowed everybody on our cast to really feel like um, that we were protected in a way. I've That's been on amazing. shows, I'm sure we all have been, where the number one is somebody that you kind of like – Whoosh, I'm not working with the number one this week. Uh, the captains are important in Star Trek. Scott know? Bakula was such a mensch when the uh, ill-fated decision was made to bring Troy and Riker into the last episode of Enterprise. Oh. Not, the, not the finest hour of our family. I was nervous, I was unnerved, and I went to Scott and I said, this has got to be horrible. Because I just imagined what it would feel like if someone was brought in from another show to essentially wrap up his show prematurely, to be frank, and he could not have been more of a gentleman and more uh, understanding and yeah. generous. He's a constant pro guy. and a wonderful actor. And yeah. it was bullshit doing that to him. I thought doing to, to all of to all of you. People ask, like, do you did you take anything from the set? Like, you know, uh, 
Tricord or whatever. Sure. Or whatever. I took Scott Bakula. He's been in my basement for a while. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, I let him out to do a show or a pilot or something every now and again, but he was so precious. I thought yeah. I heard someone screaming in the background. We all, well, he's, yeah, his voice is a little shot after 30 years, but he's okay. still. <laughs> it's nice of you to move to New Orleans so he could do NCIS. I let him, I let him, yeah. long, long fucking leash, Katie. It's all I can say, yeah. <laughs> years ago, uh, Scott's first wife, and Kitty were writing partners long before any of this happened. Long oh, wow. before okay. any of us were on story. Even Jonathan, long before Jonathan. And Scott and I are two days apart. Our birthdays are two days apart. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. You know, it's not, Small. I'm sure it's not an unheard of thing for television productions or movie casts, you know, to be close, but I can't think of a single one that carries the notoriety that Star Trek does. That's just absolutely incredible that you guys share that. Well, I, I, if I may also just say that it, we follow in the footsteps of TNG. I'm not trying to butter up TNG, uh, Next Generation, but but those guys, it was always amazing to me how close all of them were. I mean, I would see them uh, at parties uh, years after the show was over. And it's as Jonathan has said, they, they never separated, ever. You must have gotten together for parties about four or five times a year. Uh, well, and during the show, it was much to the chagrin of our significant others that we worked all together all week and then insisted on going out with the cast on Saturday and Sunday. That did not go down well with some people who will. Of course, you haven't lived until you've gone to a David Caruso pool party because that was <laughs> just jam-packed with folks. What happens at that pool party? I got to know. <laughs> oh, what, what happens when he takes his glasses off? I'm a ghost. Ah. One of these days, I'm, I'm going to bump into somebody I've insulted on a podcast, and they're going to fucking level me. I'm gonna... <laughs> Boom! I don't, I don't know why Armin and I are sort of um, adopted, adopted by the Next Gen cast, and I really appreciate that. Well, I think it's because you were on the show and because yeah. you're lovable. Which brings us back to Kitty Swink, who is the reason we're all here. Oh. No, no seriously, Kitty. Good segue. Yes, absolutely. Uh, actually. Uh, I think there, there's a lot of truth in that. I think yeah. the Germans who, who brought us back to visit with uh, TNG people a lot, mm -hmm. I think because they do adore Kitty is yeah. the reason that we've seen you at so many parties. You come for Armin, but you stay for Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> well, that there's a the memoir title there. There's, there. there's a memoir title there. Yeah. Like Marina's, uh, Marina's going away party when she moved back to England. It was the next gen cast, and Armin and I, and it was really sweet. It was really nice. You that's know where I got? That's where I was invited into the into Pan Pan. Yeah. Oh, really? Awesome. There's your bookend, dude. There it is. I would say so. Thank you for the title. I was asked to. For titles, I think that would be an appropriate title. You come for Armin, but you stay for Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we'd get sure. something good by the end. Can, can we wrap up with a reminder? April 29, 60 yes. marches across the country. We are trying to raise $19 million. Not us. We're trying to raise $90,000. And you could donate to any one of the four of us by going to... Who's got that on the tip of their tongue? www.purplestride.com Trek Against Pancreatic Cancer is our team. There it is. And we're going to have all those links uh, attached to this episode and on social media to get as many people over there as humanly possible. And I want to thank you all so much again. Jonathan Frakes, John Billingsley, Armin Shimmerman, and Kitty Swink. Yeah, Bless yeah, you guys yeah. so much for being here. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Can I just also note that Jonathan has been doing interviews all day long. And as far as I know, he's not taking a bathroom break. Have you peed into a small cup or anything today? He's just going. Okay, because we can auction. <laughs> Maybe that's why his voice is so deep. <laughs> that is... There's money in that urine. <laughs> yeah. Have you sold any urine conventions at all? You might think about that. No, but you remember when uh, we all smoked and somebody picked up, I think it's the Trekkies, somebody picked up uh, one of Brent's cigarette butts out of the uh, ashtray oh, no. and, and kind of worshipped it. it was probably, had him, probably had him cloned. Wow. Did, Del- <laughs> Did Delancey smoke? No. No, no. It's just Brett, because all of us smoke. But I remember it was just, it was caught on camera and did he put it in the movie? How creepy. Milo Ventimiglia has a very funny story about catching somebody who broke into his room and was huffing his underwear. Oh, (laughs) God. I know when uh, Berman brought the entire cast of Deep Space Nine together for the first time and they, they were serving cokes, cokes and, and somebody went to throw the coke away and, and Berman said, no, 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 don't throw that. You can sell that at a convention. You'll get a lot of money. He's probably right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. if there's people diving for cigarette butts, I have no doubt they would buy an empty Coke can or a jar of urine for sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, we were ending on such a high note and I just yeah. thought, what's that crap? <laughs> Oh, it's okay. Yeah. We'd squeeze as much in as possible. <laughs> but uh, once again, to all of you, thank you so much yes. and best of luck uh, in raising money for your team during Purple Stride. We really appreciate being here. We are all here to save lives. That's oh, well done. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank thank you. you guys so yeah. much. Have, Have a, a wonderful night. evening. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. And once again, there it was, our conversation with Armin Shimmerman, Kitty Swink, John Billingsley, and Jonathan Frakes. I want to thank them all so much for taking the time to be here. And just remind you all to head over to pancan.org to find out more. That's the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Go to purplestride.org. And again, Saturday, April 29th, the March Against Pancreatic Cancer, the Purple Stride Walk. Is happening. 60 cities across the country. You can't tell me there isn't one close to you. I mean, no, no, there isn't. There's actually one right here in Columbus and uh, five, literally five minutes away from where we're at right yeah, now. Yep, right. That's where one's happening. Yep, at uh, Kaufman Park uh, from 8.30 until uh, around noon. Uh, I'll be out there. Um, again, any support you guys can give this organ- organization. And again, not to take away from Team Trek Against Pancreatic Cancer, uh, just however you can help, there, we'll have their links in the, the description. Just anything you can do to help is much appreciated. Yeah, and if you want to make a donation to Trek Against Pancreatic Cancer, the team that they're all a part of, go to purplestride.org forward slash team trek. But people, you don't even have to really remember all these links because we're going to have them in the show notes uh, right here on our social media, on our Facebook. We're going to keep you hooked up with those links to get you over there to educate you a little bit more about it and to get you guys involved. And again, thank you so much for the whole team for spending some time with us. And Yeah. yeah, it was an honor. It was pretty awesome to sit here and have belly laughs with four different people from Hell Star yeah, Trek. It was. You know? Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, that was one of the one of the cool notches in the belt that is this show, you know? <laughs> Another surreal moment added to the chest. Indeed. Well, and I would be very interested. I would be very interested in getting uh, all of them back in the future. Absolutely. Individually so we could, you know, spend more time one-on-one find yeah, out more yeah. about them. Cuz as cool as this was, we didn't get to really 
know any one of them, you know, like we typically do right, with our right. conversations. We didn't get to grill them as much as normal. We'll grill you <laughs> yet. All right. And with all that being said, Randy, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com. Check out our past episodes, uh, our special guests, uh, the merch tab, the Patreon link, uh, pretty much anything about us. And uh, if you want to be a uh, guest on our show, send us a link on our contact page. There it is. Or you can find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air and uh, ways to show support. Uh, Go to cannedairpodcast.com, that merch link, that Patreon link. That's the way to do it. And uh, your money really goes to work helping the show, helping to keep uh, some of the bills that are required uh, paid. Uh, new equipment for our new studio space, new equipment for our old studio space, because <laughs> it's getting a little creaky. But um, your donation does go 100% toward this show. We just want you guys to know that and tell our uh, current patrons how much we appreciate their support. And uh, if Patreon isn't the way to do it for you, go over to our merch tab where you can get T-shirts, mugs, hats, hoodies, what else? There aren't, there aren't sneakers. Almost said sneakers. There's no sneakers. The canned air banana hammock. It's not that either. Aw. Not that either. What, 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 what do you want with that? I don't know. Don't put that picture in my head. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> Jesus. We just got off a charming, wonderful conversation. Now I have Randy Banana Hammock in the brain. You're welcome. No. I didn't thank you. Oh, God. Is that it, Randy? Did we I, cover everything? Uh, again, shout out to evergreenpodcast.com. And uh, yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Well, with everything having been said, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Randy Hardenbrook. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. Oh, no! Don't run! It'll only make things worse! What? Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! This has been a Canned Air production. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!